It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! Well, I had to do it to you guys uh, today on the show. I'm wearing a Christmas sweater. I decided to break out the Christmas gear about literally five minutes ago. And uh, I, I just, I don't know, I felt like it. It felt like it was time, Eric. It was time for Christmas. It was time to dawn, to quaff, 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 something. Um, Doesn't quaff mean drink? Yeah, but I think it also, drink, like, drink to, Christmas. to, like, put a thing on. Oh, that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe? I decided yeah. to put a thing on. My, my okay. cool Christmas sweater, there's a kitty riding a pizza that's rocketing through space, and there's Santa hats and a T-Rex. It's just a weird fever dream. NyQuil fever dream, you know what I mean? Yeah, and no, Taryn, I'm not on pigments again. Uh, <laughs> your husband might be. <laughs> no, no, Taryn is not joining us. There's a lot going on. We're gonna we're gonna get into uh, Walt's Night Old Men Part Five today with Eric here, and we're gonna talk about John Throwgood. Is that who it is? Lounsbury. Lounsbury. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, but Taryn is not joining us. She is up hanging out with Alice right now. Alice is going through something. I don't know what's going on, but she's she's not. I mean, she's probably I guess she's sick, but mm. she's um, she's not feeling she's not feeling sick. She says she feels fine, okay. but she kind of had a little earache, but there's no fever. There's no nothing. And she's like, can't sleep. And she went to bed without dinner. And then she got up and had a bowl of cereal. And anyways, the whole parenting Aww. thing. Yeah. yeah. So that's happening upstairs. Um, so Taryn is like, look, I'm just going to be up here. <laughs> I'm okay. like, yeah, I probably I wrote you off the show like a while ago. Like I figured you just weren't going to make it. There's just no way. There's no way. Not with Alice. She's just like, you know, she wants mom and that's fine. That's, you know, okay. yeah. it's what happens. And, uh, you know, life goes on, man. What are you yeah. going to do? Are you OK with that? If she wants mom, not dad. You know, sometimes I'm not. If I'm completely okay. honest with you. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, what the what's wrong with me? Like I'm, I'm a comforting person, Eric. When you look at me, do you see what oozes out of me? Uh, I, Emotions, I, I mean, not physically. Oh, okay. Emotion, emotionally speaking, yes. Yeah. it's clearly comfort. Right, comfort. Yeah, I mean, no sternness. You're so, you're so tall. Yeah, patient. And yes, and um, having never received a hug from you, yeah, I'm just saying, um, I would, I would be delighted. I'm, I'm tall. I'm taller in person, probably, but. Than on than on the video. Well, I yeah, guess. on the video you're like three inches tall. Yeah, and I'm just saying maybe maybe that's my fault. It might be. I want you to get a life size monitor for these shows, please. <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't know, man. It's one of those things that kids go through, and you know what are you gonna do? But yeah, oh yeah. Before we before we get into my story, because I have like I have a story of a thing that happened to me today, and I got some really weird friggin' energy today. Part of it is because. When Alice is like this, you know, she's like, oh, just we know only, only mom can come for me. She's like almost unconsolable crying. Mm, OK, she's like sobbing and she's sad and she doesn't know why. And I'm like sitting there putting the dishes away. Um, and I, I it's been a while since I've heard this voice, but my anxiety voice flipped on, found a channel and was mm. like, she knows that you're about to die. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my oh. God. Yeah, wow. um, so I had to work out of that, and that's, that's a voice, all right. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's so that's my weird energy. But uh, before we get to to uh, to what happened uh, the past couple of days to me, I want to thank our show, our travel uh, partners, Concy Ears. You go to Concy Ears. Thank you, <laughs> ConcyEars.com right now. 
and learn about the best way. See, now I'm going to like all the live reads that I'd like ever do. The best way to clean and sanitize your brewing equipment is with concierge. You go to concierge. <laughs> no, but check them out, especially if you're moving. Into, or we are moving into the holiday season, whether you like it or not. It doesn't matter if you are. It does happen. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I've been seeing reports online that the place is packed. I mean, they have like overflow lines to mansion coming out of the main gate of mansion. Pirates seems like it's always on overflow. So there's so much going on. I, I think especially with this holiday season, you are not going to be able to just go wing it. You're going to need to do some sort of genie plus lightning lane thing. And if that freaks you out to high heaven, like it does to me, check out the people at concierge. They will help guide you through all of that information, how to book reservations, how to get genie plus. Is it worth it? Where are you going to go? Are you single park or are you park hopping? If so, you need to make these reservations. Here's how you have to do that. It's a whole process. You basically give them the keys and they can drive your whole trip for you. It's awesome. It's amazing. So check them out. Concierge.com. I'm going to Disneyland at maybe the worst time I've ever gone to Disneyland. That's right. You're going in like, what, about a month? Yeah. Nice. The 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. I'm also going to Knott's on the 23rd. Oh, you're going, you're going Christmas week. And I'm flying home on Christmas Eve. I have Brother. never, I have never flown on Christmas Eve. It, it, weirdly enough, flying out of John Wayne on Christmas Eve is cheaper than, cheaper than flying to Anaheim on the 21st. But uh, yeah, this was kind of an accident. It sounds like it's going to be more of an accident. It's about to be a bigger accident than you think, man. (laughs) What happened? How did you just accidentally decide to go to Disneyland? I mean, you're like three states away. Yeah, Dan and I were uh, a friend of the show, Dan. uh, We're going to go to uh, Disneyland the week before. And I went on to one of these. I'm like, I'll be smart. I'm going to go on one of these DVC point rental places because I had just rented out some of my points because I had some extra extra DVC points to to rent out. Great experience renting out the points and getting paid for it. But I thought, well, why not try to stay at the tower, the new the new Disneyland Hotel oh, Tower? Okay. And um, I found uh, I found a room. Like, wow, that's that's great. And like, I was at work when I found it and went, well, I, I don't, I don't want to do the whole thing right now. I don't want to like, I, I'm at work. Let's just get back to work and do the work. And I went home. Yeah. That's much more fun than planning a vacation. Right. Right. <laughs> but, but I went home that night and I went in again and wasn't paying attention. And this particular site when uh... it doesn't. So the inventory had sold out by the time I got home. And instead of saying, no, we don't have things for the dates that you're going yeah, it, it said, "How about this?" And, and you said, "Yes." And I went, wow, it's even cheaper! I can't believe it. It's several hundred dollars cheaper than it was when I checked earlier today. It's also a week later, and it's um, the days before um, Christmas. <laughs> so I'm actually surprised it was cheaper. To be honest with you, well, it was cheaper because it's one day less than the initial. Oh, okay. I was looking All at right. three nights, and then I saw it, when it came up, it was two nights. Yeah. So, yes, it was less. And um, yeah, I, I did something stupid and I just went, great, click, pay for it. And then when they sent me the confirmation email, I'm like, great, I'm I'm doing all right. And then three <laughs> days later, I looked back at the confirmation, went, those are the wrong dates. 
<laughs> See, I tried to pull this when I order stuff for my with my wife's card, you know, and it's like I didn't mean to order all of these plant lights, but <laughs> it just happened, I guess. Yeah, well, I went to buy two and I bought twelve. Yeah, so now we need to buy more plants. There you go. go. To the store. Yeah, but that's very yeah. funny though. Yeah, it, so I'm I'm doing a vacation that's mostly on my own. Dan and I, Dan is going to come up, and we're going to go to Knotts one night, cool. or one day. Yeah, I'm um, on the 23rd. So if you'd like to join us at Knotts, you can come on the 23rd. Or if you'd like to join me at Disneyland, if you're in the area on the 21st and 22nd, and probably also the 23rd, uh, <laughs> why not? Like, yeah. just just hit me up. Uh, we'll be, we'll be around, um, cause Dan's pass is blacked out those dates. So he can't come up the whole time, but, but yeah, instead of why not, it's why not, why not, not uh-huh. there you it's go. It's a joke that's never yeah. been made before. But yes. I don't get it, but well, hey. that's very exciting. I'm, I'm glad that you're going. I'm glad that it's a thing that's happening to you and not to me. Cause it sounds utterly miserable, but, find but, out. but blessed man, please let me know. Please I've been keep there us in abreast. Early December. This is the latest in December I've ever yeah, been at a Disney park. Yeah, I think you'll be fine. I probably will. Yeah, I, I mean, you'll, I mostly you'll survive. Tend to like find a place to eat and drink. <laughs> well, got to make reservations for that, I suppose. <laughs> I'm already on it. All right, so I got to Here's before we start. Before we start the show proper, I got to tell you what's going on in my life. I have yeah. to do it. So, you know, I think I may have told you, we've talked to, you know, whatever. I'm looking for like a job, um, you know, part of uh, being a contract worker and then, you know, just kind of uh, my industry podcast editing or whatever sort of, you know, it's not as lucrative as it used to be, I suppose. And uh, I'm just sort of tired of being a contract worker. I want a job with a thing, with a, with a salary, with a, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I still want to yeah. do this, but like, I don't want, I don't know. I just want something new. I want something different. Okay. So I've been applying for jobs for months, man. And it is, uh, you know, but in the same industry of podcast, right? Like podcast editing or, you know, podcast production or some, something there, but it could also be, I've also tried customer service and I've tried community management and, mm-hmm. pro- and uh, project management and stuff like that. But my, you know, my, uh, I don't know, my resume doesn't really reflect what it would take to get some of these jobs I've been applying to, but I just okay. do it anyway. Cause I, yeah. I need to do something. I need to feel like I have forward progression. Right. So I've, I, I've applied, you know, you, you go on like LinkedIn and then you find a job post on LinkedIn, but then it says apply to this other website, but you have to log into a third website, which is like indeed, or, you know, my or whatever it is. And then you can apply. So I have accounts with so many job websites now and I'm just applying to stuff left and right. And I don't keep track of what I'm applying to. Because okay. I didn't think you would need to do that. I just, I didn't think that in the world of applying for jobs, like the scams were like a big thing. But I got the a text scams. a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, I got a text from someone like, oh, you applied for this job. I'm like, oh, and I sort of went back and forth and like, well, we can meet you right now with the CEO of our company, Mr. Weijong Zhang. And I'm like, okay, f- fine. That's cool. On Signal, you have to download the Signal app, which is like a secure version of a message, like WhatsApp or whatever. Okay. And then how long will it take for you to create an account? I'm like, eh, beep, 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 beep. You know, the, the little flashing light in my head's going on. I'm like, no, yeah. thanks. Thank you, but no, thank you. I'm just going to, and I just blocked the number. I'm like, that's not, that's not valid. But yeah, who, who, yeah, you don't, you shouldn't have to like join another app just to right. have an interview. Well, right. And also the CEO, and it happened to be a, oddly enough, because Taryn works in the same industry, it happened to be a, a, a company out of New Jersey that does senior living. <laughs> 
Okay. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's funny. And I looked up the website and it's like a legit thing. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But the person wouldn't, uh, you know, send me the job posting, wouldn't tell me any more about the job. And it was 35 bucks an hour part time for data entry. I'm like, I don't remember applying for this, but I might have because depends on on if I'm up or down chemically, you know, um, okay. I'm applying for I'm applying for data entry jobs. You know, well, what yeah, I mean? you're just going for it. Yeah. yeah. So I get an email the other day and it's this person from this company, CoStar. And they're like, oh, thanks for applying for a voiceover artist, which I have done some of those too. And, uh, you know, we, we'd like to uh, move on to the next stage. So here is a, um, it's a questionnaire. It's like a 10 question questionnaire. And it was really insightful. It was like a really good questionnaire. You know, it was like, you know, in your experience as a voiceover artist, what would you do if a client came back to you and wanted you to adjust your tone to m- match more of their brand? I'm like, oh, that's a really good question. Okay. You know, kind that's of specific. specific. Very yeah. specific. Right. And it's, uh, they said they were located in Sacramento. The header was like, you know, blah, 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 West Sacramento, blah, blah, blah. And I go to the website and they're like legit. It's a co-star is a legit company, but they're doing, um, a lot of real estate data for some reason. And in this, in the, in the email, they were like, oh yeah, you know, for video games and whatever. I'm like, maybe they're branching out. I don't know. When you're job hunting, you can sort of excuse any red flag that you see. Okay. Because it could be something else, right? Like you look up, eventually I looked up their address and it weren't, there was nobody by that name in the building that came up, but I'm like, well, maybe they just moved in and they're just making a push into West Sacramento and like whatever. Right. So you, you can kind of like, you can kind of see it, where it's, it's like, it's building. It's could yeah. You could have whatever. But and maybe. so, yeah. And, um, the salary was, it was more than a money than I've ever made yearly in my entire life. I mean, it was, it was, it was like 60 bucks an hour, eight hours a day. And I'm like, this is odd. That's really cool. But I'm, I'm not going to get excited about it because something just, I was like, until I start and get my first check, I'm not going to be excited about this. I'm okay. going to be reserved about it. So I fill out the paperwork, send it in. The next day they go, oh, oh, also I needed to take a picture of my ID for approval purposes. I'm like, okay, sure, I can do that. And Taryn was like, you know, because I'm talking to her about it. Because I'm like, I think this might be weird. I don't know. And she goes, well, but what's the scam? And I go, I don't know. And what's the worst that can happen? They get your information off of your ID no matter what. If someone wants to get your information, they'll, they'll get it. It's out there. Like, whatever. <laughs> okay, fine. I guess you're right. It's not like you're emailing them your or, or sending them your physical social security card in the mail. Please right. keep it. Here's three credit cards as well. Yeah, right. So I'm like, okay, and I'm, I'm reading the, the offer letter again. And it's like something about, uh, you know, we want you to start on Monday and, you know, no interview. There's no actual like spoken interview. There's no, hey, send me your reel, your demo reel. So they haven't heard your voice. As far as I know, for, so, for a VO job, <laughs> correct, full time, one hundred twelve thousand okay. dollars a year, and I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm trying hard not to be like, man, I could really, I can get some new racks for my studio, which I really want to do. We can get out of credit card debt, like I can, like you know, we can just do stuff we want to do. I can hire an electrician, put a new outlet over, you know what I mean, like this, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, right? But I'm like, nope, I gotta anyway. And then they were like, oh yeah, you know, maybe we'll send you a check to buy like a laptop and whatever. And I'm like, okay. And I just sort of like skimmed through it, but the check always kind of stood out and Taryn mentioned it too. And I'm like, yeah, but what is that? I'm not going to give my bank information. 
So I called my buddy Ted, who I did a, a, a cool people doing cool things episode on Patreon. He's the sportscaster guy, my buddy Ted. Oh, him, yeah. Because he sort of works in the same arena, I suppose. No, no sports pun intended. And um, he's like, what's the worst that could happen? What's the, he goes, I, I'm, I'm looking up this, but I can't find the flaw. I can't find a scam yet. Mm-hmm. So what's the worst that could happen? Like, you know what, Ted, you're right. I'm like, but is this out of the realm of reality for pay? And he goes, no. He goes, I did like a 20 minute VO job for someone. I got paid three grand. Like it's it, the VO work is expensive. It's like starting at two fifty an hour. So they're probably giving you, they're probably going, oh, we can get a deal off this guy. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that's right. They can probably get a deal off me. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're underpaying me, but I'm in for it. <laughs> but I'm in for it. Yeah. Because it's life changing money. Right. So I, I was like, I just don't, I don't get it. So I sent her a question, the, the, the person who, uh, who sent me the email. Um, I was like, hey, I have, a, I have a, a couple follow-up questions. Can we jump on a call for five minutes? And I go, by the way, I looked up this person's name. No person like this exists for this company. They're, you know, it says they're HR, but whatever. And uh, she's like, well, I'm too busy. I can't actually get on a phone call with you, but I'm happy to email you in person. I'm like, I don't know. So then Taryn finds this website, CoStar, and then there's actually a section in their careers page that says like scam alert. Oh, and she sends it to me and I'm like, my stomach just went down to the knees, man, because it's like, we will only email you from CoStar.com. And this was careers at CoStar, no, careers, CoStar.com. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. Cool. We will never ask for your ID as proof, you know, for of employment. And I'm like, okay, well, that's strike two. <laughs> and so mm. I, uh, they had a um, an email address, rec- recruiting at coaster.com. So I emailed them. I forwarded them that email. I was like, hey, I, I don't know what to think anymore. Hopefully, this is like a thing, but I have a feeling it's not real. I just want to verify. And I heard this morning that it's a, a totally like not a, a thing, total scam. And I just, I wanted to bury myself, man. It was so tough. Uh, yeah, I bet. It yeah. was a tough, like, you're, and I tried not, not to, to get into invested, it, but you, but you can't help it. You absolutely can't yeah. help it. And I mean, I thought this was like this, you know, coming to Christmas and like, this is just, it, it was just, it was the right time. Everything was hitting at the right time. And, um, yeah. And uh, anyway, so I, uh, I was like, well, shoot, I signed an, a, a, an acceptance letter. What does that mean? Whatever. And Taryn's like, you should probably just email them and tell them no. So I was like, I, you know, resend my acceptance letter. This job just isn't working out for me. And I haven't heard anything back. <laughs> they haven't heard anything back. And then I think what would happen, and I posted on the uh, sub, uh, scams subreddit, and someone's like, they, they would probably send you a check. And then they would want some of it back or the check would bounce or something like that. So it's a hmm. check scan. So that was the point where they're looking for job seekers and then they're going to set them up with a whole like MacBook and whatever. And either you're just on the hook for it because it's funny or you're, it's some sort of like, oh, we overpaid you. Send me $500 in iTunes gift card. <laughs> okay. and, then, and then you have a new MacBook that you can't pay for because you need a job anyways. And right. And you have no job, but you have a new MacBook that you can't return. Yeah, it's awful. It's just, it's such a bad, like, vibe. And and all day, I've just been bad vibe. It makes me want to cry. Like, it just, it's like openly just weep. It's 
atrocious. And, uh, but, you know, say la vie, man. You got to do what you got to do. No, that, I mean, that really, that really, really sucks. I've never had anything like that happen, but I, I got, yeah. I got fished once on the phone, like, oh yeah, just uh blah, 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 and insurance for your credit card and all this stuff. And I remember this was in college and my roommate's like, what are you doing? Did you just give somebody <laughs> your credit card number? I'm like, oh crap, I did. <laughs> and had to get a lawyer involved in all this stuff. But, and that, that felt. That felt gross. I can all like I can only imagine like that feeling amplified one hundred fold for you. And like I said in the beginning, you can excuse away anything. And my the thing I kept coming back to was why would somebody take their time? And they probably just like stole this questionnaire from the actual co-star group because they actually do. They have postings right now for voiceover artists, but it, okay. they're in they're in Virginia. It's not remote. Okay. And I'm like, well, I got a whole studio. I can, I mean, this is what I do anyway. Like I do, I do commercials to like whatever. Right. And I say commercials, like it's like a big thing, but they're literally for other podcasts. Mm. But like, why would someone develop this questionnaire and have me send it out to me? I guess it's really to really set that hook. That was the thing I kept coming back to is like, it can't be a scam because they have this questionnaire and it's very insightful and focused and pointed. And this is what I would expect of a company. That's a long time. Yes, it is. And then just to, there's no, there's no, maybe because I pushed back a little bit to like, because so when, when I was talking to Taryn, uh, I was like, look, I, what I don't want to do is call them out and say, this is why I think you're scamming me. Because it, in my mind, I would just be helping them. Because mm-hmm. there were some things thinking about it now where it's like, oh, you, you said I would start in Pacific, but then you give me times in, in, in Eastern. And so, which is accurate. And you have some like a, thing here that's not right and you have just this other there's stuff there's stuff that it just didn't add up um yeah but you know it's not that i was like blinded by it because i knew to temper my expectations I knew it i friggin knew it man. but that's well, it so i got some weird energy today eric hey that's that's just fine and yeah, it is <laughs> it's only really fine sucks. that's like epic. <laughs> that's epic suck like holy dude cow man yeah, it is. And, you know, going through, if you just like search scam in Reddit, because like looking for some, some subs to post this in, just so other mm-hmm. people don't actually, I might, I should probably find a voiceover sub and post that too. Cause like, you know, they're targeting that community, right? That's fair. Yeah. Um, but this one person's like, it just in the, I think it's in, in scams in the actual like subreddit scams where someone was like, yeah, am I being scammed here? Um, because, uh, you know, I got an email from Apple saying they need to buy cryptocurrency on my account <laughs> to help draw out a, a hacker <laughs> everyone's like yeah, yeah dude yeah yeah <laughs> that's a little more obvious yeah anyway all right well enough about me eric let's talk about john john yes let's talk about john john lonsberry we're just gonna dive right in here let's do it okay uh this is our fifth foray into the realm of waltz nine old men uh, lest listeners forget, this is a series that started by Terrence um, 17 years ago. We've <laughs> been working on this for a while. Speaking of Terrence, I just I will make I will interrupt to make an announcement. Both Terrence and Beverly, as well <gasps> as Jeremy, oh, will be on our Christmas show on the 14th of December. You guys, oh, all right. 
are Santa Iger letters. Yeah. So, and they are going to do Santa Iger letters. And I think Jeremy is going to do one as well. And you know how that boy gets when he wants to write letters to people. <laughs> going to be great. So speaking of Terrence. So much rhyming. Yeah, Terrence will be coming back <laughs> along with Bev. And I think, I believe, Terrence and Bev will also be staying for the secret show that night as well. Ooh. Yes. Okay. So that will be fun. Anyway, right. continue. And it, yes, that's great. I'm looking forward to it. So Walt's Nine Old Men. This is the group of animators that Walt relied on during the studio's kind of second act after after all those, uh, you know, little kitty cartoons when he upgraded to films, feature length um, animation. Uh, these were his these were his guys. Uh, he named them jokingly after President Ro- Roosevelt's jab at the Supreme Court. And um, these nine old men dragged Disney Studios from clever cartoons about a crass little mouse into legitimate film. And John, John, John Lounsbury, John Lounsbury. He's from Philly. John, John Lounsbury. The John. Yeah. Um, John Lounsbury was uh, not the most well known of this crew. He's not on any windows on Main Street. What? He was a shy man who pretty much got his work done and then went home. So you're not a not a giant personality like Milt Call that I talked about last time who would get angry and yell at everybody and try to make them work harder. Are the nine old men, is that like a thing in the Disney company or is it just like fans call them that? And that kind of I mean, I know you said Walt it was like a mm-hmm. like a joke, but it's like it's like there's rumors that I, that I've heard about uh, Roly Crump, who that like the mm-hmm. Imagineers, the artist didn't like him because he didn't go to art school. Mm-hmm. And he never really got his due because of that, because they were just sort of snooty because they all were trained. And he just he was this flashy dude who just happened to be weird and do good stuff. But yeah, um, so he never really got the uh, acceptance that he deserved, clearly. And uh, I just wondered if if that was, you know, something like the studios didn't really go, oh, the nine old men, because I would think that if you're in that nine old men club, you got out a window You by by default. You have to get a well, and that's kind of it. Several of the nine old men ended up working for WED, mm. and that's how they got their windows. Ah, okay. Is they were right. involved with the the making of the park. So some of these folks, like Wooly Reitherman, um, was involved with with the making of the parks, and we'll talk about Wooly eventually. You know, I think Wooly was one of the first. Am I thinking of somebody else? No, uh, no, I'm thinking of Wathel Rogers. That's who has. Wooly waffle, uh, you know, weird old names. Yeah, uh, but yeah, some of these guys did end up working for Wed, uh, like Mark Davis. Mark Davis is probably the most famous one of the nine old men who yeah. made the swap over to Wed. And um, yeah, some of these these other guys just stayed in animation, and they didn't involve get involved with the parks. They stayed right on course with what they knew. But yeah, it, I mean this this kind of second group of of animators they were generally trained as cartoonists they did attend art school uh, by and large and like Lounsbury is one of these people he went to multiple art schools yeah like some of the original guys who came in they were just people who are talented at drawing and Walt said here come on let's go and those were his his young men that he relied on and as he started to up the stakes as he started to push animation forward, he brought in 
educators to teach these these guys who didn't have formal art training how to be better at what they were doing. Hmm. And they were kind of overtaken in time. And that was one of the big schisms in in the studios. That's part of what caused the strike is things started to split. People were were more skilled at art and they and some of the the guys that were doing well that had pioneered animation were getting left behind in the dust and weren't getting paid the way that they thought they were. But that's a totally different story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking off off the cuff here. Um and I would like to talk about the strike at some point. Um, I keep mentioning that every time I do one of these. But but yeah, anyway, John Lounsbury. Yeah, he was a shy guy. He came in, he did his work, he went home. But his impact on the studio and its, uh, its product, its animation, uh, is indelible. He became one of the hardest working animators the company ever saw. John was born in... In 1911, on March 9th, in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, his family moved him to Colorado uh, when he was five years old, and he attended um, East Denver High School, which still exists. Uh, his uh, father died when he was 13, and things got kind of tough, so he started hmm. working. He started working for the school. He was doing cartoons. He sold his art, uh, and he, according to one report, his art was on almost every single page of the the annual yearbook. Gee. Yeah. Like this guy just drew. When he graduated, he was briefly a rail, railroad worker. But then he went to the Art Institute of Denver, which is also still in existence. Um, after he graduated from there, he moved out west. Uh, his, his contemporaries, his classmates encouraged him to move out west to yeah. L.A., which is still there. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. LA is still there. <laughs> yeah, as much as we may not want it to be sometimes. <laughs> still there. Still there. He attended the Art Center College of Design in LA. And after a little bit of uh, additional time there, one of his teachers suggested that he go to apply at Disney Studios. Uh, he applied at Disney Studios. He got a job on July 2nd, 1935, and he stayed there forever. God, that's Isn't cool. His I mean, entire career. That's got to be a good feeling that your teacher was like, hey, why don't you go work at Disney? Why don't you get a job there? Right. I mean, clearly you're good enough. And obviously you need training or whatever because he's just cool. But I don't know. That's got to feel good as a kid. Did like get yeah. that, that much reinforcement? Like you, you think I'm that good where I could be, you know, I have the jump. I have the talent to make that jump. Right. A young 20 something guy like here, you can go to the, these guys are they're on the cutting edge. They're making yeah. they're making cartoons about trees that go like this and wave their arms around. <laughs> it's a wacky inflatable tree guy. <laughs> uh, he married his sweetheart, Florence, soon after he started out at Disney Studios and everything was looking Lounsbury after that. OK, I love it. Um, Andreas Deha, who uh, is one of the one of the Disney Renaissance animators who worked on characters like Roger Rabbit and Gaston, is like obsessed with Lonsberry. He's written hmm. multiple great things about this guy. He said that that Lonsberry, he was one of he was a, a mentor to him. Um, he said he John really liked characters that he could sink his teeth into. He updated the old squash and stretch of old cartoons. That's when when, you know, walking, you you know, 
Sounds like something would. you hear on Botched. <laughs> yeah, you got to get rid of this old squash and step or whatever. You said. <laughs> squash and stretch. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's when when characters could be a little bit fluid. And that was part of the comedy of it is that they would do things that are exaggerated and and big, uh, more emotive because they could actually move around. And that was one of those hallmarks of Disney animation is that the characters suddenly became more emotive. It wasn't just here is a cartoon mouse. He hits something with a thing. You, you could tell that there were emotions happening in this animation. Um, I wonder how much that is played off of, um, <clears throat> you know, using maybe stage actors as um, as reference points versus just like, oh, I think I'm going to do this because, you know, they say you can always tell someone who who has uh, trained in theater versus their film because their actions are really big. Mm-hmm. They react really big because you need to see that. It's right. like you're going to play. You need to see it from 50 feet away, 100 yeah, feet and- away, right? And so on on TV, you don't have to. You're more subtle. Mm-hmm. You're you're definitely on point there because a lot of original animation, a lot of the a lot of the first generation animators for Disney based their work on vaudeville. Okay, so they see these vaudeville actors and they're like, we can do this with a cartoon. Yeah, And the next stage was, I mean, upgrading to Snow White was a massive improvement because you were trying to go for film. You're trying to go for uh, the stately queen who, who's, <laughs> you know, looks like a human being. You know, that was that yeah. was a major change. Yeah. Lounsbury incorporated a lot of this squash and stretch into his animation that continued through from continued into years later uh you think of the elephants in jungle book and the way that they they move the, the, the way they bounce as they walk and um think of tony in the lady and the tramp uh when he's playing the accordion when he's emoting to his business partner joe i have a clip here that is um potentially ready <laughs> if you if you sure, got brother link, no if you didn't i can vamp no i got longer. it it's fine this is a quick little yeah. clip that goes from Lonsberry's original sketches into the final animation. See, but the problem is now I have it, uh, you know, sharing my YouTube page. And then on the on mm. the right, now I want to see the DeLorean racing through things and all. I want to see all the stuff that. Uh, yeah, some of yeah. these look pretty good. Yeah, we've got to do yeah. a walk about. Why can't I? Oh, I'm not going to stretch out. Okay, here we go. Tonight, the butcher, he's a good. It's a little repetitive because it's a very short clip. Butcher, he's a good. So what is the, uh, it's the, uh, what the chef of the Italian restaurant and leading the tram? Yeah. Yeah. So they were showing the uh, original sketches and then how it translated into the original film and it's just spot on. Yeah. Right. And he's, he's just such a big emotive character. His arms are moving so much and you've, we've all seen this. This is what Lonsberry was known for is creating emotion creating characters that were relatable that were interesting to watch yeah. uh, with his with his work the animator um, dale bear who was also trained by lounsbury said that lounsbury was the only person he knew who animated with a carpenter's pencil hmm. now you've seen you've you've probably seen these i mean my dad's a carpenter so i grew up with these but that's the like square pencil that has like a quarter inch piece of yeah. lead in it yeah that you get at Home Depot. Put it behind your ear. It's like it looks like a two by four. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so he was. He would actually animate with this. So uh, here's the quote from from Dale. 
He would roughly block in with the wide, flat part of the pencil, and then when he found the line he wanted, he would put in the thinner pencil. Hmm. John wasn't one of those guys that demanded that this or that happens or acted out all of his scenes for all the other fellows. He showed up at eight, he did his thing, and he left at five. He did his day's work, but his family was just as important to him. Yeah, bless this man's heart. Like, that is how everybody <laughs> should be. I put, look, man, I put in my hours. I'm, I'm gone. I got things to do that don't involve, you know, staying late. Yeah, screwing around with the rest of the guys, having a bunch of drinks. No, just I'm going yeah, home. Right. I'm done. Uh, Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston, who um, were also uh, two of Walt's nine old men, uh, wrote in their book that John could always make a funny observation in the worst situations. Even though he was a quiet, shy uh-huh. guy, he'd, he'd have that joke ready when, when the he inappropriate joke or like it was like funny because no, it sounds like it was yeah, probably in, 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 in fair. In okay. Good all right. All right. That's different. Then. <laughs> but yeah, it, this guy animated on everything from when he started until he left the company. He's credited on basically every short, every movie, everything that the studio did that was significant from when he came in um, in 1935. Uh, so when he started, he was assigned to Norm Ferguson, uh, Fergie Ferguson, uh, one of Walt's original stalwarts. Uh, so he was an assistant animator. To I like Fergie. how he already had a and short first name but they needed to give him another nickname not it couldn't just be norm right it had to be fergie i'm sure walt was like yeah. nope uh, uh how about fergie <laughs> yeah. he came in with uh with fergie who taught him how to create animated characters that told a story with emotion and movement and uh yeah he started out on on a few pluto shorts where he helped out um with supporting animation on those he was an uncredited assistant animator on Snow White. That was his first big job. And what a big job. He was working on The Witch. So Fergie and John worked on The Witch herself. Wow. Where they were told, this, this character needs to be the exact opposite of the stately, unemotive queen. She needs to be emotional. She needs to be ugly. She needs to be scary. And they got it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and he got to, John himself got to animate the sequence where the witch is descending into the cellar and closing a trapdoor over her head, where she's like staring out creepily the entire way down. Uh, but he got to do that entire sequence himself. He wasn't just doing in-betweens. Uh, then John and Fergie went on to work on Pinocchio. They animated Honest John and Gideon the Cat. And... They decided that rather than make them a serious and sinister pair, they wanted to add humor. So they made Gideon this mute and silly cat that is just dumb and just wants to hit things with his claim. And, <laughs> and Honest John was this sly huckster fellow. So they they created these two opposing characters. And this is something that John carried forward even after he wasn't working with with Fergie is creating opposing characters in the same scene. Uh, he became the a full animator credited in Dumbo, where he animated some of the scenes with Dumbo and Timothy Mouse. Not any of the sad scenes where Dumbo's crying or anything <laughs> like that. No, the cool scenes where Dumbo is drunk. Nice. 
And so it, there were there are other animators like Bill Titla who did most of the Dumbo animation, but uh, John got to do the the less serious things where there were more visual gags like Dumbo hiding behind his ears and things like that. Moving on from there, he went to Fantasia. John, in a very rare interview, said that Fantasia was one of his favorite projects because it was the first time he had to animate with uh, with music in mind. So he was animating in the Dance of the Hours segment. He was animating the, the alligator. This is the dance between the alligator and the hippo. And he realized he had to be way more precise than he ever had been before because he had to stick with the tempo and he had to meet the the tone of that particular point in in the song. So thinking about tempo and beat was a really special challenge that he really enjoyed very much. So he Mm. really came to be known as an animal animator guy. Um, After that, he did Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear in Song of the South again. Two wow. very different characters that were often in the same scene. One kind of, you know, sly and mischief- mischievous, and the other one, the bumbling, you know, bear who just wants to, you know, do what he's told and get out of the, get out of here and go sleep. It's it sounds like a a, a lot to keep straight yeah. in your head. Like that sounds like a lot of brain power. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, that's that's some work, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it is a lot to think about. Um, and it's it's got to be a, a special challenge if this is what you're good at and and showing that you can do two completely different characters and show different personalities in the same scene. That's got to feel good. It, you know, that's that's showing off your craft. That's, yeah, that's really absolutely. bragging on yeah. screen. Next up was uh, the giant in fun and fancy free who might be a big, dumb, big, dumb guy. But but he's but uh, John still Im- imbued thought and emotion into him as he's talking you can see that the giant is thinking about things and pondering things uh, but then we're back to music and animals in melody time and saludos amigos where he had several sequences and um yeah it, it, after that it's it's more it, it just gets assigned various scenes in in everything he got to animate uh, ichabod crane in a few se- sequences in that movie nice then we get to the big leagues here again we're doing music and animals all over again it's cinderella he animated all of the animals in the carriage transformation scene so he didn't he didn't do the full the full cinderella transformation he wasn't doing that but he was doing all of the you know mice and 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 such being turned into horses and all of that it is funny because you do just on the surface like you don't really think about these scenes having specific artists Mm-hmm. do them right it's like right, right it's like having five directors work on one movie where it's like well i did this action shot and then frank did the drama scenes and then bill did the sex scene because he's a pervert you know what i mean like there's i don't know like that's interesting every time i'm reminded <laughs> that there were just individuals doing that right you can't have somebody draw every single cinderella scene because they'd never get it done and these things took years anyway so, yeah, you definitely had. Yeah, it, it's interesting to hear that he did. Well, he did this specific scene when the animals transformed into other animals. He did the mice during their songs. So when they're singing, you know, about about Cinderella, uh, and that was his chance to do animals again and singing, um, syncing up to a musical track. Uh, some of this was apparently a, 
was apparently credited to Ward Kimball, who is uh, possibly our next old man. Uh, Ward's one of my favorites, so I've got a ton of stuff on Ward. So (laughs) I'm doing more research on him. But some of this got credited to the wrong guy. Oh, John was a background guy. He did filler stuff. He did. He did a few emotional scenes and let the other guys create the characters and let the other guys direct the scene, as it were. Um, Alice in Wonderland, he animated the Rose and most of the Cheshire Cat Mm. animation. But again, Ward Kimball was the one credited for the Cheshire Cat because he created the design. But John did most of the actual work on the Cheshire Cat. Wow. Isn't that the way, man? And I wonder if he wasn't so quiet. Yeah. You know, I wonder if that would have happened or it's just, well, Ward did the design and then so it sort of gets translated maybe in an interview or something like that. And then now he's just credited. Yeah. Who knows? Because Ward Ward was a personality. Ward was the guy who put in a lot of work and then would goof off the rest of the day because he was talented and he was skilled. And yeah, but John, John was talented and skilled, but he just did his work and he got out of there. Maybe he didn't cause a ruckus. I don't know. Uh, finally, he draws a human. Uh, in Peter Pan, he designed George Darling, Wendy's, the, the, all the kids' father. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not the most important character, but he had some good scenes at the beginning of the movie. Sure, yeah, absolutely. He, he got to animate him in formal wear with a suit and a cape and a walking stick and a hat and sw- swinging around and billowing in the, the London breeze. Yeah. Like really, really interesting stuff where he's, this guy's sarcastic. But he's also a little bit scared of this Peter Pan because he remembers Peter Pan. Oh, sure. Um, so you could there's so much in these little early scenes. And that was him. That's cool. Lady in the Tramp. He animated several scenes again. Definitely more dogs. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, he drew he drew a few people. He drew a, a police constable. If you remember at the beginning when when uh, the Tramp is kind of trying to get into the zoo and there's a constable yelling at this like bespectacled gentleman and the tramps there playing around with them. And it's kind of the intro of lady and the tramp, but like we had earlier in the episode, his triumph in this uh, considered his triumph by multiple subsequent Disney artists was doing the Italian restaurant scene with Tony and Joe, the owner and the cook at the Italian restaurant. So Andreas Deha again says that this is his best work. John Pomeroy, another Disney animator uh, who worked at both Disney and the Bluth Studios later, he would go back to John's original drawings to learn from them. He wasn't directly taught by John, by John, John, but he would refer to his drawings to see how he did it. Um, And John stated uh, that that uh, Tony and Joe were so great and Italian looking, you could smell them on the screen. She, and what does that mean? Because is that B.O.? Is that garlic? Is that like what kind of like stereotype are we providing? <laughs> right, exactly. Right here. What's going on? Uh, but yeah, uh, like you could smell the. <laughs> Let's let's say it was the, the spaghetti that he's lab- ladling onto a plate. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's such a great scene. Like you see Tony getting all upset because it, he he's trying to feed these two dogs and Joe comes out with a bunch of bones. He's like, bones, no, they want spaghetti. <laughs> and 
but yeah, exaggerated movements, again, back to that squash and stretch, utilized to amazing effect to create emotion and create drama and interest in these characters. These characters are barely in the movie. Right. But what scene do we remember from this movie? It's that that spaghetti scene, right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. After this, uh, Joe becomes kind of a shapeshifter. He's assigned to Sleeping Beauty, where many of the characters were designed by Milt Call, who was on our last Nine Old Men episode. Uh, Some of the animators had already left. Some of them had left the studio. Some of them had left to go to WED. And Milt was kind of left to design a lot of the a lot of the look of the film, along with um, Ivan Earl, who kind of designed a lot of those the blocky trees in the backgrounds and mm-hmm. the color palette and things like that. Yeah. So these two guys kind of set the, the theme, the, the tone for the movie, which was different from a lot of the other earlier animation. And Lounsbury showed off his skills by adapting his animation style to Milt's. So it, Lounsbury designed Maleficent, Maleficent's goblins or goons or whatever they're they're considered they're they're still cartoony for the most part but uh, think of the horse samson mm-hmm. uh, who is had that angular style that fit with that fit with prince philip john was involved was the the principal on the horse samson he also d- did the entire sequence between kings hubert and stephen um, they're cartoony but still angular and they're they're having fun this is a great sequence where they get all dramatic and we, what do you mean your daughter won't marry my son? And then they, <laughs> they laugh and they're having fun. And um, th- he did that entire thing. Again, two different characters, one tall and thin and angular one short and fat. And they're, they're, you know, fencing with, with the fish. Nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, he just, he changed his style to fit theirs. He wasn't just stuck to, I can only draw these cartoony characters. I can only draw, I can only draw animals. I can only draw whatever. He could do anything. And so he continued to draw anything. He did characters in 101 Dalmatians. He did characters in The Sword and the Stone, Mary Poppins. He was Sheer Khan in the, shung- the Shungle Book. The Jungle Book. I love The Shungle Book, man. Yes, classic stuff. Uh, the Aristocats, of course. It's a bunch of cats. He did several of the cats. Uh, he did characters in Bedknobs and Broomsticks in the animated sequence there. He was the supervising animator on the Sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood. I'm very happy I didn't say Robin Hood because I almost <laughs> did. And uh, yeah, stepping back a little bit, uh, he, be, he his first time where he was allowed to be a director of the entire film was uh, or for the entire feature was Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2 in 1970. Wow. So he's done all of these characters for so long. He's been a supervising animator and now he's a director of a feature. He directed the compilation film, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which combines several of the Winnie the Pooh uh, shorts that had come up before. And he co-directed The Rescuers, which released in 1977. I say co-directed because after 41 years in the Disney studios, John Lounsbury did not retire he passed away of heart failure Oh man. during production of the rescuers February 13th of 1976 at the age of 64. John was the first and the youngest of the nine old men to pass away. Ugh, ruthless. Yeah. But that meant he spent his entire career at the Disney studios. Amazing. 41 years 
animating, doing what he loved. He was named a Disney legend in 1989. This is old hat if you've been paying attention to all of these, because all of Walt's non-old men were named Disney legends the same year. The second group of legends, um, they were named legends at the same time as Ub Iwerks. Uh, he was the only nine old, the only member who wasn't a one of the nine old men who was named a legend that year. But yeah, I'll I'll keep mentioning this every time we do this because you, know, you got it's, to. It's, it's fun. part of it. Yeah, I've yeah. got it. Yeah, very good, Eric. Let's see. So there's not a ton about Lounsbury because he died. In the 70s, there aren't all of these nostalgic interviews with him like you get with a lot of other animators. He never wrote a book. He never was on a DVD extra commentary thing. Or a podcast. A podcast, (laughs) yeah. Right. But that was him. He got his work done. He went home. My final quotes here from Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston's 1981 book, The Illusion of Life. They wrote that uh, hardly subtle, John's characters were always fun to watch. His better drawings and bigger concepts were not limited by old vaudeville acts. They brought the bold, crude approach to new heights using more refinement, more dramatic angles, more interest, and all without losing the main idea. His simple staging, appealing characters, good taste, strong squash and stretch. These are, this is, these are very long sentences. And controlled anticipations that followed through making a bold statement, but they never lost believability. Hardly subtle, always fun to watch. Wow. There's a lot of science to animation. You know, yeah. science and art typically don't really mesh well, I think, but they're, you know, they're, they're different, right? Right. But in animation, just hearing that quote really sort of highlights that. Yeah. You know, taking it, working on new angles to still provide emotion, you know, that's not easy to do. No, definitely not. And yeah, you think of Disney movies and you know that they, we all know that they defined animation yeah. in so many ways. Right. And there's so many cartoons that you watch. You're like, oh, it's it's fine. It's not Disney, but you know, <laughs> that's that's how it goes. This is part of it. It's these yeah. amazing animators who figured it out. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. I have a lot of news to talk about. Ooh. There's a lot been going on the past couple of days, so we got to go talk about that. So hang on, everyone. It's ears up. We'll be right back. And now, back to the show that's more fun than waiting in line for Peter Pan on a hot August Anaheim day. Ears up. Oh, what's up, everybody? All right, we got some news here to plug. But first, our friends at the 21st Amendment want to remind you about drinking the summer. Summer in a can. 21st Amendment, they have this series of beers called Hell or High. Mm. Insert fruit of your choice here. I still have some of the mango, the Hell or High mango. Uh, but Hell, Hell or High watermelon is sort of like the one that took the country by storm. And I'm going to say that. And Sully hasn't told me to say this, but I'm saying it anyway. Because it's true. There really weren't a whole lot of well-made fruit beers for a while. But the folks at the 21st Amendment have figured out how to do that and do it well. And they brew an American-style wheat beer, which is still soft and pleasant drinking, but uh, just sweet enough to really kind of deal with the whatever fruit they're putting in, either the mango especially or the watermelon. And it's this really easy drinking. It feels like summer in a can. It's delicious. Check it out. Or if you can't find it, they have uh, their Back in Black Black IPA. They have a whole bunch of other IPAs out there. So check them out. 21st Amendment. And if you are in the Bay Area, which... You know, you got to come and visit every once in a while. They have a beer garden at their giant brewery in San Leandro, or they have uh, their smaller 
uh, little pilot system, I suppose, in San Francisco at 563 2nd Street, which is around the corner from Giants Stadium. So you can catch a game while you're hanging out, drinking some 2NA beer. So check them out. Uh, they're good people. They're making good beer and they support podcasts like us. Um, okay, here we go. <laughs> Man, I haven't I had another story too, but I might save it. Might say there's been a lot going on in my life. In-depth march in the past, present, and future with all the news that's fit to cover. It's the Ears Up Disney News. Telling you, man, my vibes are all off today. But I, but I talked about an old man. That's true. You sure did, man. It wasn't me. Ron DeSantis says a meatball run. Guy. I'm not going to call him a meatball run. Okay. Ron DeSantis says his deranged vendetta against Disney basically saved America. <laughs> the yep. Florida governor also claims he, quote, won the battle against the company, despite the fact that the federal lawsuit is pending. <laughs> this is from Vanity Fair. Uh, ultimately, Disney decided guy. that it had enough of. Um, of, uh, of Ron DeSantis and Sue DeSantis and members of his administration for alleged, alleging a, quote, targeted campaign of government retaliation for, quote, expressing a political viewpoint unpopular with certain state officials. The lawsuit is still currently pending, yet such details didn't stop the Florida governor and the 2024 presidential hopeful <laughs> from claiming in a recent interview that not only had he won the battle, but his campaign of retribution had basically saved America. Speaking with family leader, president, and CEO Bob Vander Plaats, DeSantis declared, quote, a lot of these old guard Republicans were telling me that somehow Disney, when they called the shots, you just got to bend the knee. We fought back against Disney. We had a big battle with them, and we won the battle against Disney, he added. I'll tell you, the fact that we were willing to stand up to Disney, that had reverberations across this country. Because I think you do have some CEOs that they're not necessarily bought into this agenda, but it's the path of least resistance. Now they can say, well, gee, I don't want to end up like Disney. People may fight back from the right now. So I think we helped kind of refocus business and America in a better way. I think it was going off the rail. It doesn't matter if you're bought into, you know, whatever the agenda you're talking about, that quote unquote woke agenda it doesn't matter if you're bought into it or not. It just matters what you, you know, what you do and how you support the people who you find important, whether your employees or your family or whatever, you don't have to believe in it, but just let people do what they want. Oh man. Anyway, whatever. I thought it was really funny. That's, man that's saved America. Great. Yeah. He won a lawsuit that hasn't even been decided. Yet. Right. <laughs> decided yet. So done. There you go. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the, the ethics commissioner that um, broke the rules of the ethics commission by being appointed to the four hundred thousand dollar a year job being in charge of the former uh reedy creek district um i can't remember his name right now but uh it, the, the guy who was in charge of an ethics commission and realized that he was breaking the rules of his own job yeah getting put into the high profile high paying job uh, and got dumped off of the ethics commission so that he could stay in the high paying job he says the morale has never been better around the Disney, uh, around these offices. Everybody sure. loves, everybody loves them being in charge. And obviously that's true. Yeah. Obviously that's true. That was, that was a uh, story over the weekend. 
I love it. I don't have it pulled up. I can't cite it like you. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, re- I remember all these things. Um, speaking of things <laughs> that um, need to have stay in the in the distant past, in the memory, and not come to fruition, mm-hmm. Disney something called Disney Pinnacle is preparing to be the oh, next no. big NFT failure. <laughs> this is from The Verge. And I read this the other day, and I was like, oh, God. Basically, Disney is getting back into NFTs, but licensing their stuff. They're not actually directly doing it, which is smart. Disney will launch a all new socially driven collectible experience. That is a quote, a quote, all new socially driven collectible experience called Disney Pinnacle later this year, which it's November. There's not much later this year left, dog. Turning characters from Pixar, Star Wars and its classic animated films into traditional pins, digital, excuse me, into tr- Tradable digital pin. I was going to say traditional NFT pins. <laughs> yeah, it's an <laughs> NFT, but you get a physical copy of your NFT. Uh, the Disney Pinnacle website has a wait list for interested traders and collectors. However, it doesn't explain what the digital pins are actually like <laughs> or why the company would bother to create a verifiable digital hoard. While announcing Pinnacle, Disney and its partner Dapper Labs won't even say the word NFT. Mainly because it's not a word. Dapper Labs still calls itself the NFT company, but between a variety of scams, an eye-blistering episode at a recent Bored Ape event, and a market that has plunged since peaking in early 2021, that is a term they apparently will steer clear of. The only thing available on the site right now is a privacy policy that makes clear that this is a Dapper Labs effort that is licensing content from Disney, not an all-in-house effort on the level of Disney+. Plus. The NFT collection is being launched through an iOS app and that web and Android applications will come later. They're in such a hurry to do it. They're only developing an app for half of the cell phone market. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's just half of the people can get it. We'll see how it goes. They did lay know. off most of the NFT portion of the company when Iger came back, didn't they? I thought so. Yeah, yeah it was like the, uh, not NFT, but it was the, uh, like the, the, Web 3.0, like oh, the virtual yeah, the whole, VR yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right. Interesting. I still don't know what NFTs are. It, and... it is. It's a, it's a picture that may or may not increase in value, probably won't, and easily can be stolen. Sounds great. It sounds, it sounds awesome, right? Digital pin. God bless the blockchain. There are reasons to believe Dapper Labs can get things off to a good start. It did that with NBA Top Shot in 2020, as well as with earlier projects like Crypto Kitties. I've heard neither of those. Um, anyway, uh, in 2017, flipping Crypto Kitties was hot with millions of dollars in sale. Now, Crypto Kitties is remembered for its spectacular fall, while a channel for interested buyers in its official Discord has had messages from three people since September. <laughs> um, yeah. That's notable. So NFTs are, people are trying. I don't know why. They're trying to make NFTs a thing. They're not a thing. Nobody cares. Nobody wants them. Um, the board eight people found a niche uh, with people too much money to burn and they created a culture around it. But I just, I don't, I don't know. That, that's burned out too, hasn't it? No. I, no well, I, I think a lot of things, a lot of the apes have lost their money, but they're still doing more of like, um, that was referenced in that article. They had a, some uh, event or whatever last weekend and they just had these weird like UV. La- these weird lasers, but the UV rating wasn't 
good or something. I don't really know the details, but it ended up in like burning people's eyes. <laughs> it's just terrible. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. All right. I like it. If you're looking for something to burn your eyes and your ears, Eric, Disney apparently has Frozen 4 in development. I, I saw this. It's like half a comment from Iger. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll do four. Maybe we'll do seven. There is oh. there are so many articles written about this. Uh, <laughs> quote. Well, I'll give you a little surprise there, Michael. Apparently, he's, he's giving an interview. He says Frozen Three is in the works, and there might be a Frozen Four in the works too. Oh, uh, Robin Givens and Michael Strahan. Good morning, America. Iger is in Hong Kong Disneyland talking about the World of Frozen theme uh, themed mm-hmm. land, which is opening on November twentieth. Which looks awesome. It does. And, you know, I, I got, I saw an article, I forget where it was from now, but it was, uh, I want to say it was those you register, but it was like, you want to get a look at what the frozen land could have looked like for Disneyland or, or if it comes to Disneyland, this is what it'll look like. And it's just <laughs> pictures of the Hong Kong one, but it's like, oh, this was pitched in oh, 2017 or whatever for Disneyland forward. But okay. I, please. We don't need, we don't need a frozen. We don't need a frozen land. I would be so mad. If a new land comes up and it's like themed like this, like I really want them to go back to just vibe themes, like frontier land or, you know, something else and not IP land, fill in the blank land. So you're telling like me they, they buy all of the hotels across Harbor and they put in a frozen land. You're not going. No, of course I'm going to go, but I won't like oh, okay. it. <laughs> and every time I go, I'll be more unhappy. Iger didn't say much about sequel plans for the Oscar-winning Frozen franchise, though he did add, quote, but Jen Lee, who created Frozen, the original Frozen and Frozen 2, is hard at work with her team at Disney Animation on not one, but actually two stories. A little scoop. Yeah. A little scoop. Giving you a little scooper. A little scooperino. Two stories. But it doesn't necessarily mean there's a four, but maybe there is a four. I don't know. Who cares? There's going to be a four. Frozen four coming out. Coming soon. Coming tomorrow. Of course. Let's do it right now. Yeah, yeah we'll not? ride it right now. I'd rather have a Frozen 4 than Frozen live action. Yeah. It'll happen. It'll happen. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. <laughs> um, There's an interview with The Rock, and he was on some talk show, and he said he's, like, literally shooting it right now. The live action Moana. Yeah. Moana. And like, oh, God. That does seem awfully... We don't need it. Awfully it really swift. does. We don't need it. We don't need it. For a movie that I still watch with frequency i was thinking about this i'm finishing up the ahsoka series on disney plus star wars and mm-hmm. um because i i just i can't it moves so slow man but uh, you know bolton glass moves faster than this show uh but i like the aesthetics i'm i'm trying to Fair. i'm trying to keep it up <laughs> trying to keep up with it yeah and i realized like what other franchises have tried to expand their universe and every time they expand it the draw for that expansion is less and less. You know, you look at like Ghostbusters tried to do this. They've failed miserably, I think. Uh, Frozen, I think, is obviously trying to do this. There's like, you know what I mean? You see where I'm going with this. Like Star Wars, I feel like why, and I'm not going to go too far into it because I go through this all the time, but like Star Wars worked because it, you used your imagination for what these things meant. And then as they had mm-hmm. to expand and expand the universe, they had to describe what these things meant and it was no longer cool and then they had to just invent stuff that directly contradicts edicts laid forth in the original films and it's like well now what's going on that's all confusing and now now nothing means anything anymore like just literally nothing means anything and it's like okay well that's cool 
I mean, the, first off, Ghostbusters Afterlife was a delight. I really it liked was it. fine. I get. I mean, I didn't see it, so I, I have no idea. I know they're making another. Oh, okay, I know they're making okay. another one. I saw the trailer and it was like, okay. Um, but it. But my point is, it's not. It. It. It, it, it was nowhere near the enjoyment that the first one gave people. It was nowhere near that. Yeah, yeah, I could. I could probably say that. There's a lot of nostalgic value that fits into it. Star Wars has done what they've been doing with things like Ahsoka is they're building toward. When when Disney came in and wiped the slate clean of all of the now the now Star Wars legends, all of the books and comic books that all of us nerds were reading and collecting for so many years between between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, where we were other people were imagining things and were like, yes, we're on board. We really heir to the Empire. Yeah, I'm in like I, I wanted this throng guy seems awesome. And now they're kind of going, well, we did wipe the slate clean, but we kind of really like some of the stories that were out there. So we really want to bring them <laughs> back in. Uh, so for my part, I'm I'm totally on board. And Ahsoka might have been slow paced. It is slow paced, but it was brilliantly shot. And it brings in characters from recent cartoons that I really liked. And it brings in characters from books that I really liked and it's bringing in some of these major concepts these like deep deep force concepts that I'm I'm sure anybody other than RGH and the Bantha Milk guys and I probably won't get the end shots of Ahsoka but I welcome you all to listen to Bantha Milk and understand what was going on at the very end of the show well which I haven't seen yet so don't say anything but right yeah I don't want to yeah I don't want to go there and I guess that's my point is that Star Wars, when it came out, didn't do this kind of like, you know, playing either secrets or playing to a certain kind of audience or doing fan service because it didn't really need to. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the subsequent movies like uh, Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back, those didn't do fan service to the first one either. It just continued the story in a linear fashion. But sure. now you have these you have to do these little tricks of like, oh, let's plant this or whatever. And it's like all yeah. I'm trying to do is figure out that. If there's a spaceship that shoot the laser blast <laughs> in space and it doesn't hit anything, how long does it travel until it hits them? That's all I'm trying to figure out. If you can answer me that, please, somebody what, answer me this. What's so upsetting to this you? This has been, I t- I'm telling you, this has been a thing in my brain for decades. <laughs> because you see this tie fighter and you go, oh, and then you hear like stray bullets or whatever, you know, because we live in uh, the world we live in where there's a lot of, uh, you know, gunfire. And um, hey. Entropy still exists in space. I don't know. Does it? I've always, I've always, you know, been taught that like, and then, so then it it just slows down eventually because there's a resistance of, you know, solar wind or whatever. And just sit there as this floating like laser bolt. The the bolts keep flying until they hit Star Trek. Uh, Okay. I'm all right with that. Then that's why there are only three seasons of it. Um, anyway, there you go. Let's do some park news. What do you think of that? Okay. Apparently, Disney has reined in, quote, professional pin traders who bring thousands of collectible pins to the Anaheim theme park by extremely limiting the amount of time, number of pins, and trading locations where the decades-old cherished Disney tradition is permitted. First of all, it is not cherished. The only people who cherish it are people who are, like, you know, really excited about a new season of uh, Loki. You know what I mean? Like, nobody cares. Most people do not care about it. I just decided to make fun of loki um it's fine i haven't seen the new one i don't know and me it's fine yeah it's fine um but like decades old cherished disney 
tradition. Yeah, I, I seeing seeing them there was always a little off putting because it would always be I hated it. It would always be a few guys who just have this big old belly bag, oh. this huge display set up right inside Frontierland, which is weird enough because it was inside. It was always just inside Frontierland. And this crowd of people standing around looking at all the stuff that they had like it feels kind of weird. I mean, it, it was one thing that Disney let them do it for so long. I'm surprised that they let them go that long. Me too. And I doing something. Right. And it. I thought about it uh, sort of off the tails of uh, in depth where they're banning uh, in Disney World. They're banning third party tour guides. Oh, have you heard that? I didn't, I didn't see that one. Yeah, like they're I they're didn't... like literally pulling people out of line and saying, "You're a tour guide. We know you are. Here's a have this uh, Disney property ban for a year, mm. and you're done. Interesting. You can't, yeah, okay. uh, or lifetime ban because it's it's. I would think it's conducting commerce in the park, and you're not allowed to do right. that. So I don't understand yeah. how they're allowed to to do that because maybe the 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 give and take on there is like, well, they're they're encouraging people to go in and buy pins, which is why they're doing it near a pin trading area where you can uh, not pin trading, but where you can go buy pins like the, the shop in frontier land yeah, right that's, there. That's the main pin shop. Yeah. So maybe there's that, but like, I just, I, I didn't like them. They were always uncomfortable and they're taking up the benches. Go away. Don't, True. don't, don't do it. But, um, Jason loves a bench. I'd love a bench. Uh, this is from yeah. uh, Disneyland it says we regularly evaluate and adjust our policies and operations. Pin trading is a fun, oh, geez. Eric, Pin trading is a fun, magical activity for our guests. It's magical. I don't know about magical. Yeah. It is kind of fun when you find a thing that you're looking for. And you're like, oh, I like this shape. And these updated guidelines will create a designated location near Westward Ho Trading Company in Disneyland Park during specific times, which will enhance the overall guest experience at Disneyland Resort. So pin trading displays are now permitted only in the, quote, extremely limited, ex- excuse me, extremely limited designated trading area near Westward Ho. Use of the trading area is restricted to specific times between park opening and 3 p.m. daily. Huh. Pin traders are permitted to bring only one pin trading bag measuring 14 by 12 inches by 6 inches to the park and cannot use lights or signs. This People, people wonder, you see like, um, you know, restrictions and rules for anything and you go, well, someone must have done something to make somebody else write this law down of like, you can't use lights or signs. These freaks were sitting there with lights and signs. In Disneyland. Oh, oh, I, I haven't seen any of that, but it makes me think of like the people that are just outside the gates when you're heading, when you're heading <laughs> yeah. out at night. And they're like flinging that like helicopter gyroscope or whatever. Yeah, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. I, yeah, that is very specific. I guess the question is why now? Well, why, right. Why right now? Well, Eric, they frequently review their guideline to provide a good guest experience. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, I think maybe, maybe they weren't allowed or maybe they weren't coming back after the parks opened after lockdown. And then now that they're coming back, people are like, dude, this sucks. I don't want, because I don't, I've only seen them maybe a handful of times. I love Frontierland, so I'm there all the time whenever I go. So I don't really see them for a while. So maybe it's not really like a, a we don't really hit the weekends and maybe they're more like weekend people. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think. Yeah, there are definitely times where I haven't seen anybody there. And yeah, it's something weird for me because as a Walt Disney World guy, no, you, you pin trade with cast members. You don't pin trade with like people. Um, right. I mean, you're encouraged to do to do trades with cast members. 
you know, right. but, um, and that's the way and I, that's it's coming back to Walt Disney world now too. That's the way it should be, man. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? Speaking yeah. of uh, other stuff that, uh, I actually care about this. I'm actually really disappointed. Beast's Library, which is over in uh, DCA at the Imagination Campus, will be closing permanently on December 10th. If you're hitting the parks anytime soon, man, you got to go there now. I loved Beauty and the Beast uh, Beast Library. It was awesome. It was fun. Everything was broken half the time. It was like the House of the Future, House of Tomorrow or whatever, where just nothing really worked all that well. Um, But it was a cute little space. I don't know. It was like, it was neat. I like that. I'm sorry. I said it was located at Disney's Imagination Campus, which is a ridiculous thing to say because it's not. Disney's Imagination Campus, which is an educational program that teaches students how to use their imagination to solve various challenges, will take over the space. Our plan is for Imagination Campus to use the Beast's library space moving forward, and the final day for guests to experience Beast's library will be December 10th. Uh, It's tucked away inside the Sorcerer's Workshop in the Hollywood land of DCA. The famous prince portrait hangs in the middle of the room and guests can watch as it changes to the Claude version, just like it did in the animated film. Never seen it. I've never, never, never done further. I've, I've never done that. Oh, experience. yeah. Good. I've been in the lobby and I've never gone further in. I don't know why you you've all talked about it so much and I've just never been in there. I'm sorry, everybody. Sorry. Sorry. You should be. It's cute. Uh, and then they yeah, talked about pin trading. Yeah. This is interesting. This is I've, I did not know this. Pin trading was introduced to Disneyland and Walt Disney World in late 1999 after former Disneyland Resort President George Caligridis observed the activity during a trip to the 1998 Winter Olympics in Nagano, Japan. He saw that pin trading allowed visitors worldwide to interact and communicate, even if they didn't speak the same language. Look at that. My Greek boy. Hmm. My big, special, round Greek boy. <laughs> oh, um, I don't want to sign in. Apparently, it's on Twitter. People are like talking about it. Of course, just why not? Don't you mean X? <laughs> no, the last thing I mean is X. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, have you been keeping up with? We only have a couple of news stories, guys, and that's it. A couple left. Uh, okay. have you been keeping up with the uh, Cotino, that storytelling by Disney thing that's going on in Rancho? Mirage, yeah, near Palm Springs, basically. <laughs> have you been keeping up with that at all? Not a ton. I, I haven't seen un, until recently. It, it kind of vanished from the news. Yeah, there hasn't really been too many updates. They uh, they did they released a twenty minute video with uh, Brett I- Irwin, the voice of Mickey Mouse. Wow, and he sort of explains in the Disney way, literally nothing, but like shows people walking and talking but there's the no information it's like this is how we imagine this is our inspiration he's not doing the mickey voice is he no and at, at no point do they say he's the voice of mickey mouth or who what? he is or what he does but oh, he's like wow, sitting okay. at his desk and he's like this is my desk as you can see i'm kind of a big disney fan it's like i know because you're the voice of why aren't we what are we doing it's very odd and and, and uncomfortable for me but whatever I'm I'm kind of interested to watch it now because I imagine his voice is like, hello, I'm the voice. I put of it in the Mouse. Discord. It's weird. It's weird. I'll have to go back and look at it. I missed that one. But apparently the first prices of the houses in Disney's Catino have hit the market and you're looking at upwards of over a million dollars for homes Ooh. and $20,000 to join the club. Does anyone want to buy my house four times? <laughs> <laughs> I'll move in there for for you, 
the listeners if you pay yes, for my house i will live stream every times. day right <laughs> Coutinho is continuing to slowly take shape with home prices announced this week, starting north of $1 million. And if you want to be a member of that swanky clubhouse inspired by the Pixar's incredible films, it'll cost 20 grand to join and 11 grand a year after that. Now, I can't think of two things that are more incongruent than swanky and incredible. I don't, I don't see that, I don't see that, that design aesthetic being applied to a place where you have to spend $11,000 a year to be a part of. I don't, I, that doesn't mean anything to me. That makes no sense. I, I mean, I definitely want to be part of it because it sounds really great, but not because it has like to do that, with the incredible. Like if they just made it a club 33, like clone, that would have been, I guess, worth it. But the yeah, incredible, I mean, a, like a total mid mod. Yeah. I mean, Oh, maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Hopefully they, they understood that the whole aesthetic of the Incredibles is based on its century modern. I don't know, man. I just, whatever. Uh, Coutinho was, but yeah, that, you're right. Yeah. That's a lot. It's slated to eventually have nearly 2,000 homes and condos on long vacant land just east of Bob Hope Drive between Frank Sinatra and Gerald Ford Drive. Again, two people that are, couldn't be more incongruent. Frank Sinatra, Gerald Ford. Uh, the initial <laughs> both, phase. Both my favorite presidents. Yeah, that's right. The initial phase will include more than 300 homes or about 15% of the total property. Um, you know, yada, yada, yada. So the smallest home sites known as the cottage collection include three different floor plans with a one and two story models ranging from roughly 2,200 feet to 2,800 square feet prices for those homes. So these are the smallest home sites are expected to start from the upper 1 million. Latino uh, officials announced this week to live in, the desert. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, which is fine, but like you're 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 paying up the upper one millions for a twenty two hundred square feet small house. Yeah, my house is maybe it's worth it bigger than that. Right. <laughs> prices for I mean, it's hard to to get an um anyway. Uh, prices for the yeah. grand collection, which includes four different floor plans ranging from about twenty seven hundred square feet to thirty seven hundred square feet, will begin from the quote low two million. The prices fall in the upper end of the housing market in Rancho Mirage. Census data show the city's median home value is $570,000. Yeah, that's it, man. Okay. Yeah, that's wild. That is so wild. That's some, some, some dollars, some ducats. Okay. Two more. And they're both pretty good. Scarlett Johansson apparently is doing a live action tower of terror movie okay i want i want you to let that sink in for a little bit the tower of terror the thing that they have already removed from disneyland i don't even know if it's in disney world anymore it sure is they um they're they they don't want it to be a ride in disneyland but they want it to be a movie so there you go it's uh her movie adaptation of disney's tower of terror ride still in development apparently uh, she broke the news on the Today Show that the long-in-development movie is about the terrifying Disney Park attraction. will be up and running very soon. So oh. I imagine they almost uh, think that its uh, script is done and they're going to start shooting now that the writer's strike is over. Okay. Yeah, they've been talking about that for a long time. I didn't know she was attached to it. Uh, yeah, I don't... Um... Can we just get Gutenberg back? Steve Gutenberg? I love get, that. Get back the original cast. The project nearly fell apart in 2021 when Johansson sued Disney over the hybrid release of Marvel's Black Widow. 
uh, you know, blah, blah. Yes, we all remember that. Yeah. Massive. Um, JPEG screw up. And then last but not least, now this is something I didn't know about. Um, I, this is the first thing I've heard of this. The Museum of the Weird Candleman figure is joining the Haunted Mansion at Walt Disney World. Are you familiar with Candleman? Oh, the Candleman is creepy as hell. Yeah, I love that's what that's one of Rolly's. Yeah. Right? Designed by legendary Imagineer Rolly Crump, the Candleman figure was deemed too scary to go into the original Haunted Mansion. I don't think that was the reason and was instead planned to go into a never realized Museum of the Weird exhibit at the Haunted Mansion. The demon-like ghostly figures made of dripping wax and can be found in Magic Kingdom's Haunted Mansion attic scene on the left side of the forward motion. Whatever that means. That's a weird way of putting that. It is. And so here's a picture, a, pi- a picture of it. Picture. Okay. I'm trying to get one of like I'd where take, he I'd is. I'd take Candleman over Hatbox any day. Are you kidding me? Of course, dude. I would take the whole entire museum of the weird over most of the new things that they've done. (laughs) So there's uh, the attic scene in Disney World and there's Candleman right there. And he's just, you know, he's like, I don't know. What do you think? Six inches. He's very, very tiny, but he's just on a little nightstand or whatever. There's a candelabra and then there's some like, uh, you know, roses. And then it looks like a suit of armor next to it. Um, and then right in between there, there's a little candleman. So he's literally already in there. He still looks creepy as hell, but yeah. I was, was hoping for a little yeah. more zhuzh on that. There he is. Yeah, I wish he was, uh, I wish he was a little bit taller. I wish he was a baller. <laughs> it's cool. I mean, the cool photos of the attic, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like the same photo over and over and over again. So. I was like, wow, that's really cool. Good job for Florida for getting that. So I messaged my uh, my friends who happen, you know, my imagination. <clears throat> um, I was like, did you guys see oh. this? This is really cool because they're like big Rolly people. And they're like, dude, that's been in Disneyland for like two months. And I said, no, it's not. Shut up, Brian. You're not supposed to know that. I'm supposed to be telling you things. So there he is <laughs> in the Haunted Mansion um, overlay. So he's right by in the attic scene. I think that's where that is. Or like yeah. the big coiled snake by his coils. Uh, to the right of that, there's a candelabra. Right. And he's right in between. Um, he's right in between there. So they made two of these, and they just well, that's a different looking one than than in Florida. And there's a little uh, tag around it, and it says uh, it says Rolly on it. The gift for Rolly. Yeah, a little tag on his foot. It was just, uh, such like a it. sweet addition. But yeah, it looks cool. I love it. I think it's great. And yeah. it's funny because for the past few years, actually, ever since I saw it, so maybe, I don't know, five, six years ago, I was like, I want to get that as the tattoo. Mm. That'd be cool, man. Oh, that would be a good tattoo. Is it? Is it the same? Is it different? I'm, I wonder if it's... Oh, oh, you know, oh, it's just something from that you've seen through it. It might be the same. Oh, right there? Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's empty in the center. Yeah. But I wonder yeah. if it's just the same mold. No, it looks completely. It does look. It yeah, does look a little it different. Does look different. I like it. Good. I'm glad that they did cool. that. I'm glad that instead of just like making it the same, they they uh yeah whatever. <laughs> they just ran two through the 3D printer. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Tossed them in there. Um, yeah, neat, huh? I thought you might like that. I had no idea. I had no idea that it was in Disney Disneyland, and I was like, "How do you I guys know this?" And they've like, it's, I, "I have not seen a single story about it." Although, uh, different Brian in the chat is uh, Brian. 
Brandon Soros was saying that he knew about it. Of course he did. And I, that's why I yelled at him. I said, you're Brian. not supposed to know that. Shut up. I'm supposed oh, to be telling it, you things. Is it the same Brian? Uh, How many Brian's do you know? We have one Brian in the chat. Yeah. Oh, he's telling you. I thought you were saying a different Brian. Oh. You know uh, an Imagineer, Brian. No. I do not. Thanks, Brian. But if any Imagineers <laughs> named Brian want to be my friend, I'll, I'll be friends with anybody. I don't care. Yeah. What do I got to lose? Okay. What do I got to lose yeah. except my ID and a job? Yeah. So mad. Make sure you cancel your social security card. <laughs> I only send him pictures of my uh, my ID. So I, I'm all right. But And that, that one very distinctive mole. Well, yeah. And my w- Christmas wish. Speaking of Christmas, I'm going to turn this music off. Sorry. Speaking of Christmas, <laughs> what I'm doing is I am putting together a few, I'm doing a giveaway. Doing a few giveaways. Oh, yeah. I want to tell you guys real fast. So, for, I'm doing two separate giveaways, one specifically for Patreon people. And all you have to do is just be a Patreon member. And I will do a couple, maybe a couple of drawings. I haven't really figured out exactly how many things I'm going to give away. It's probably going to be at least five prize packs across either the social channels or Patreon only. But Patreon people, you are going to get the better one. You are going to get uh, your own specific one. So if you want to be a part of that and you're a Patreon supporter, all you have to do is just keep being a Patreon supporter. And that, that's literally it. And enjoy all the content. And of course, you know, leave us five stars everywhere you go <laughs> on the rating sites. Um, but if you want to, uh, if you don't want to be a Patreon because you can't do it or, you know, you think the content sucks, but you just have nothing else to do. So you listen to it anyway. That's fine. Uh, I'm going to be releasing some information on social probably next week about how to participate in those. It's probably going to be the standard like this post and or whatever, but I also want to do is a little bit interaction. So it might be like, tell me your favorite holiday story at Disneyland or something like that. There's going to be some sort of work to it. You got to give me some content and then I will bestow upon you potentially a nice little gift pack. We have, uh, I have some shirts, some churro shirts that were screen printed uh, that are st- before we transition to a uh, drop shipping that I still have. I have some stickers. I have some books. I have some posters that our friend Miles at Modeling Disney gave to me for the 100th episode, actually, I think. And I just found them, along with a bunch of other swag from the, uh, from the 100th episode, like 100th episode, uh, those little cheap nylon backpacks, <laughs> the uh, posters that we made up that are just like a rock and roll poster size, like from the Fillmore or whatever, if anybody knows that. Um, stuff like that, you know, just stuff, odds and ends that I got around the house. So, uh, you know, Check it out. I think it's going to be great. I don't know why I said check it out because you have no place to check it out at, but keep tuned to our socials. I will actually be posting on it and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. I've, uh, I put a couple clips up from our latest episode of in depth over on our TikTok channel. You can interact. Jeremy, if you hadn't heard that episode, Jeremy has a lot of things to say about luminous. Check that That's out. Yeah. So, uh, so go on TikTok <laughs> and, and check them out, please. Um, <laughs> and if you like the stuff on TikTok, I'll, I'll, I'll do more. But anyway, we're doing some giveaways for Christmas. So all this ultimately will be decided upon on the Christmas show. I will do the drawing. I will announce the winner on the Christmas show. And, uh, you know, it should be a good time. It'll be fun. Santa Iger letters. Santa Jason. I don't know. Whatever. Santa somebody. Yeah, Santa somebody. Santa DeSantis. There you go. Oh my God, I wish. That'd be so cool. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm waiting for someone at those debates to just be like, just take your boot off and give it to me. Just let's go. Just take it off. Take it off. I want to see it. 
And if you don't, they're lifts, and you have to admit it. And that's it. And then he'll grind his teeth down to the gum. It'd be fun. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. If you want to support this show, you can go to our Etsy store, which is uh, etsy.com slash years up, I think, or something like that. Just search for it. Uh, we have a ton of t-shirts up there. I have another one coming soon. It's going to be good. I, have, I haven't got the file yet, but it should be up hopefully in time for Christmas. I'm, I'm excited about this one. It'll be a good one. And uh, of course, patreon.com slash years up. Join our Patreon area or whatever. It, uh, my brain's working weird, man. <laughs> I've done a thing in Patreon where I'm trying to like group the episodes into different things so you can just search for uh, or I think it might even just tell you here are all the Pyramid Eye of the Ear shows or here are all the cool people doing cool things shows or here are all the Puny Pod shows so you don't have to like physically search in the thing for them right they made it a little okay. easier now so I'm trying that out um, anyway that's it for me everybody and uh, Eric thank you very much for your hard work I appreciate you thank oh, you you're welcome it was yeah. fun all right, everybody. Thanks a lot. And uh, until next time, we'll see you in the parks. Bye.